This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio episode 128, the MMA edition, being recorded Thursday, February 16th, 2012. As you can see, this is not a live episode of MTR. We are doing these pre-taped for the next two weeks. MTR will return live on March 1st. For this MMA edition of MTR, we're going to be talking with our resident MMA writer, Ben, who is joining us to discuss yesterday's Fuel TV on UFC, well, UFC on Fuel TV event as well as some of the other stuff that's been going on in, M- in MMA this week. So, with that said, Ben, what's going on, brother? Not much, not much. Have a beer. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it with uh, UFC on Fuel TV, of course. Um, this fight got a lot of fanfare from the hardcore fans only because, you know, Jake Ellenberger main eventing in, in, his, home, in his home state, but a lot of the casual fans really felt that this was just a very weak card um before we get into the card itself what do you think of the event as a whole and do you think that their opinions were justified um i like the event especially for it just to, to be like free in the middle of the week i mean you can't expect them to have you know their john jones free in the middle of, on a wednesday on fuel which is a channel that a lot of people really don't have so uh, i think they were doing a free preview actually this week uh but um yeah, I like the card. It, it had a couple of upper covers like T.J. Dillashaw um, and Lyle Watson and uh, Strip, I think I'm saying his name right, Stripo Majokic. I think that's how you say his name. Um, um, it had some good, huh? Yeah, St- St- uh, Stipe Miocic. I know who he is. He um, yeah, St- he was on MMA Gospel a couple of times with our friends over there. Yeah, it, it had some good upper covers. You can't really... I, I can see why people would say it was a weak card only because it would have names they really wouldn't know. But, I mean, the card delivered some really good action, so it wasn't, I've seen weak cards. This, was, this wasn't really a weak card. It just it just didn't have any really big name stars or guys that have established their names yet. What did you think about, um, and, and this is from the prelims, about uh, uh, Sean Loeffler getting injured, warming up, and, you know, throwing off his fight with Buddy, Roder- with, uh, Buddy Roberts? That... I mean, I've heard of that happening before. I mean, the the big time I remember it happened when I think Ken Shamrock got hurt before he fight Kimbo. Yeah. Um, or Kevin Randleman, uh, I think, giving himself a concussion like in an old UFC. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. It's unfortunate. Um, I did hear the UFC was giving. I think uh, not Steve Lopez, uh, the other guy. I forgot his name now. Uh, uh Buddy Roberts. 
Yeah, Buddy Roberts. Yeah, it was giving Buddy Roberts his uh his win money, which I thought was good because I mean you train all the time and all of a sudden other dudes get hurt and then you're out of a paycheck. So I thought that was cool, but uh, unfortunate because I, I would have liked to see that fight because both those guys finished fights. Uh, but it it, it happens. I was really looking forward to seeing Jonathan Brookins fight. I, I was I was a little bummed out that he fought on the undercard and didn't get to fight on TV. I think, you know, considering his history with the Ultimate Fighter, you would have thought he would have at least been the opening fight. Um, but he secured a solid victory over, over Wagner Roca. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, was a, that was a nice knockout. Um, I think the reason he wasn't on the main card, though, is the last time they get main top card... Uh, Shine, uh, when he fought Eric Koch, uh, he kind of, the fight was boring. Um, with Eric Koch, uh, he didn't want to stand and trade with Eric Koch, and he kind of just held him up against the fence. So they kind of, I think, I think the reason he didn't get main, I mean, I think he'll be on TV from now on, but I think this is kind of a like, hey, you got to be more exciting if you try to get on TV after his last fight. All right. Now, on the fuel card, we, we had some really great fights. We'll go through the opener, John Albert, Ivan Menjivar. Um Menjivar always impresses me in all his fights. He always comes out, does something really surprising, and he's always exciting to watch. What did you think of the fight? Were you impressed with, with Albert at, at bantamweight? He was coming in 7-1. and one. Um, I, did, I did like John Albert. Um, I thought Menjivar would win just because Menjivar has been fighting longer. And he has a, I mean, he's fought a huge team. Of guys, I mean, he was. I think he was George St. Pierre's like first fight. So, um, you know, um, I, I thought it was a really, it was a really good fight. That's why I love the smaller weight classes. Those guys are real dynamic. It was back and forth. I think uh, Benjamin Ball was hurt. Uh, with, I think John Albert hit him with a head kick and hurt him. And it, it was just, it was a good back and forth round. Uh, that might be my round of the year so far. I was really impressed with a lot of the transmission, uh, transmissions, transitions to submissions. I mean, John Albert at one point he went for an Oma Plata. He went for it twice in that fight. Um, but Menjavar, really great submission defense, handled his business, and he actually got out of the Oma Plata and secured the rear naked. So I was very impressed with his submission defense. But like you were saying, the guy's a veteran. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was fun watching them go back and forth with submissions. I mean, I mean they were they were like positioning me. Damn, we're just going to try to submit each other. I mean, there was a hill hook battle. Uh, uh, yeah, it was hill hooks, uh, omoplata, triangle. Uh, the final final submission with the red naked choke. It was just, it was just a good up and down fight. Now the fight that I really enjoyed was um, T.J. Dillashaw and Wale Watson. Dillashaw, of course, working with. Um, you know, Uriah Faber and those guys at Alpha Male. It definitely showed in this fight. He comes in, uh, you know, compact, stocky guy. Looked really great and really aggressive over all three rounds. Yeah, yeah, that, that was uh, that was a good fight. I, I had a feeling that that's probably how it was going to go. He was, he was a really good college wrestler before he started doing MMA. So uh, it, it was a really good, it was it was really one-sided. <laughs> it, it was basically just an ass woman and Wyatt Watson. Uh, who I like watching fight. Uh, he's a pretty good back away himself. Um, and he never gave up. I mean, to be dominated like that for about two two straight rounds, he dominated like that, almost be choked out like five or six different times and to come into the third round and really still trying to throw strikes, go for a flying triangle. Uh, I mean, he was, he was trying to win. And I, I give him credit because like, a lot of dudes would have just quit after getting beat down like that for three straight rounds. 
Yeah, that flying triangle was impressive. And Dillashaw, another guy, you know, working with these alpha male guys, he's got great submission defense. Um, I think a lot of the guys in alpha male that are using wrestling as a base are really starting to let their hands go. I mean, Dillashaw had really, really crisp stand-up considering that his wrestling base is, is, was definitely on display. He had good hands in this fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he used it nicely to set up a takedown because if he hadn't, I mean, I think Dilla, uh, a while Watson had huge reach advantage. So he, he used it nicely. He used the speed and hands and head movement to, to get in and get the takedown. And in the third round, he used it a lot after he had already tied him out from him. He used it a lot to hit him and get out of the way of those long limbs. So I, I think it, it was a really good performance. Uh, I was impressed. He looked way better than he did when he fought John Dodson that knockout uh, in the finale. Yeah, I mean, but but Dodson's another guy, a ton of talent, so they'll, they'll make sure to use that kid. And Dillashaw, a lot of these guys that come out of the Ultimate Fighter, they just got to align themselves with a good camp, and it definitely showed in this fight. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, it, it did show. Um, he, he looked way better than he did on Ultimate Fighter. He looked like he had improved. I mean, I don't think he, he's beating Dominic Cruz any kind of soon or your right favorite, but he's improved a lot, so. All right, on the heavyweights, we had uh, Philip DeFries and Stipe Miocic. Uh, very, very huge slugfest to start that fight off. DeFries, his, his opening takedown definitely looked a little, a little sloppy, but he caught him with two solid shots that Stipe did not like, and he just proceeded to murder, death, kill him with, uh, with a quick right and some ground and pound. What would you think of the heavyweights on, on, in this fight? Um, I thought the fight went almost exactly how I thought it would go. I've seen Philip DeFries fight before. I found it kind of amusing when they were saying that he was a test for Stipe Miocic uh, because Philip DeFries is he's one of those bottom feeder type heavyweights. Stipe Miocic is a, a real good athletic heavyweight not not some dude that is kind of fat and doesn't want to cut down to 205. He, he's a dude that you know he's built, he can strike, he's an athlete and I think he'll go far. I think he'll go far in the heavyweight division. Um, I, Stipe, um, Philip, Philip DeFries' takedown was extremely sloppy, <laughs> and he did catch him with a couple of shots. But I think it was more the fact that he was just winging punches than actual any real technique. Yeah, I, the the funny thing is, and and it's funny you say that a uh, bottom feeder, bottom feeding heavyweights because it's weird that um, and it's it, this is a a poor segue, but talking about tim sylvia and you know his 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 mission to get back into the ufc and you know dana white pretty much said no and it was funny that you mentioned bottom feeding heavyweights because when um tim sylvia and arlovsky fought in the ufc the heavyweight division was a little thinner and definitely not as talent filled as it is now does tim sylvia have any type of position against a guy like philip defries who you saw got kind of exposed in his fight to compete with heavyweights in the UFC at this point? I think Tim Sylvia would beat Philip DeFries, but I don't think Tim Sylvia has any in the UFC. Uh, when Tim Sylvia was the UFC champion, it was basically him and Andre Olasky. They fought each other like six, seven times. I mean, that's all it was. Like, there was nobody. It was just them. It, Tim Sylvia, basically now, all he really does he doesn't even fight at heavyweight anymore. He fights at whatever weight class he decides to show up in. He's, yep, super heavyweight. Been, yeah, I don't think he's been at 265 since he left the UFC. Or no, 
since he got not, uh, choked out by Fedor. I don't think he's actually been at 265 since then. So I don't see what, how he thinks he's going to get back into the UFC if he's losing to the dudes like A. Wagner and like random like um, Ultimate Fighter Heavyweight Edition cast off. Like he's not going to get the UFC. Like he got knocked out by Ray Mercer. Like he's just not getting the UFC. Well, that the reason I asked that is because with with a guy like Philip DeFries, who kind of I don't want to say he phoned it in. I mean, he was competitive in the fight, but when you have a guy like that and you're in such a stacked heavyweight division, can can you even afford at this point, even if it's on fuel, to turn in a mediocre performance? Because with all the guys that are in the heavyweight division now, it's very easy to get cut. I don't think we're at a stage where it's three strikes and you're out anymore. If you're not an exciting heavyweight, you're getting a fucking boot. Yeah, especially at heavyweight. I mean, because they can all with heavyweight. It's not like like one fifty, like the lower weight class is like one seventy down, where there's like a thousand good athletic guys that can fight in that division. With heavyweights, there's like fifteen really good guys in the world. The rest of them are just wins for those fifteen guys. That's basically what they are. And with the heavyweight division, if you come in and you're not one of those guys, and you start losing, once they see that. You're not going to be there very long. It's, there's no reason to keep you around because they can find another you instantly. So there's no reason for you to, for them to hold on to you. That's a good way to look at it. All right, Ronnie Marks, Aaron Simpson. I really – Aaron Simpson's a veteran. He's, he's fought a lot in the UFC. I expected him to come in and do well. I didn't expect him to come up short against Marks, and I was really surprised that Marks took it via split decision. I think Simpson looked – really good in round two you know he, he pressed the action forward a lot kept marks up against the fence so i was shocked that marks took it via split decision because i kind of felt it was there was a part of me that felt like it was a draw i could see a draw because i, I could see Aaron Simpson definitely winning the first round because uh i think he knocked mark down i could see marks winning the second round just on control and i could see the third round kind of being a swing round you could either take i think you could either have it for marks or it would be a draw I don't think Aaron Simpson won the fight. Um, I'm not surprised Aaron Simpson lost. I mean, Ronnie Marks uh, was a big heavyweight. I'm not heavyweight. Big light heavyweight. Now he's a humongous middleweight, and he didn't look he didn't look like the cut had really affected him negatively, like he was getting tired or anything like that. Um, and he's trained with the, with the guys at Nova Unia, with uh, Jose Aldo and, and uh, uh, Diego Nunez and those guys. So um, I was I was. I wasn't super impressed with the performance just because I thought I thought he would have a better performance against Aaron Simpson than that who uh even though he's fought a lot in the UFC, he showed a lot of holes in his game. Uh he, he doesn't take getting hit completely well. Um his defense to getting hit is kind of just running backwards in a straight line. So, um I don't know. I, I thought Ronnie Marks would show a little bit better uh show out a little bit better in the fight. But I think he either won it or was draw. I could see. I could definitely see it being a draw. Yeah, I was. I was really torn when the fight went to the to the judges, but it wasn't. It wasn't either guy's best performance. But you know, I mean, for a TV fight, the crowd was super hot for it. So you know, I can't. I can't blame that on on the crowd. So it, you know, I think both of these guys are going to be watching them very closely, only because again, like some of these other divisions, middleweight is incredibly crowded. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's going to get some uh, middleweight. There's going to be some guys that they're going to just uh, be throwing up against each other and see what sticks. Uh, there's a lot of guys in middleweight right now. 
Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of what I call what I like to call the make or break fights where, you know, there's going to be guys that they're going to pair them and the loser may just get cut without even getting a second or third opportunity. Yeah, or they're going to put them up against Susan Marcel Harris and have them put on a leg back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's funny you mention him because we'll be talking about him later on. On the heavyweights, um, Dave Herman, Stefan Struve, there's, a, there's, there's always a lot of, um, I want to say there's always a lot of verbal jerking off of Stefan Struve. The guy, the guy's a great athlete. I don't say that, I, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's an animal, but whenever he fights, it's always like, oh, my God, he towers in there and he has incredible Muay Thai. And it's just like, he's just a big, lanky dude, not to take anything away from him. He's a good fighter. But I just sometimes feel that the commentators, the hug is nuts a little too hard. Um, I don't think Stefan Struve will ever be like a champion or anything. He's a decent fighter, like you said. I'm, he's far from a good striker. Um, if I'm six foot eleven, I have, I have the second longest reach in the UFC. I'm teeth kicking and um, jabbing. This dude doesn't know what a jab is. You're six foot eleven, like jab. He. It, it's ridiculous to me that dudes are dudes that are way shorter than him are able to get inside his reach and light him up. That is how he ended. That's the majority of the time. That's how he. Did. That's what Junior Santos did to him. That's what Nelson did to him. That's what uh, Pat Barry did to him. Pat Barry did to him before <laughs> Pat Barry got tapped out. I mean, and Pat Barry's like a foot shorter than this dude. Like these dudes should not be able to get that close to you. And I don't know. I, I think I think because Stefan Struve was so young. I think the UFC really wants to kind of build him, but he hasn't shown me anything that shows that he's this amazing prospect. He, he's a really tall fighter, takes advantage of his length. He's got decent jiu-jitsu. He has a, he's, he's got a big heart, but the trepidation he goes through in fights, he shouldn't have to go through because he's so tall. Like, if he's this great striker that they say he is, he shouldn't be hit as often as he is. Well, I, I'll tell you this. With the with the absorption of strike forces heavyweights, I think... I'd like to see a Stefan Struve and maybe, you know, Bigfoot Silva. That would be a, a literally a humongous fight. <laughs> yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're bringing in these strike force heavyweights, and, you know, he, he he performed well against Dave Herman. You know, he got a he got a good ground-and-pound victory. Dave Herman's not a, not, a, not a tomato can. But, you know, you're bringing in a guy like Bigfoot who, you know, he, he took it to Fedor. But then he got he got served up, you know, by Daniel Cormier. I think that welcoming Bigfoot into the UFC, Struve would be a good fight in terms of just how much you can build that fight just based on their freakish size, you know? Yeah, I think that would be a good TV favorite coming out. Field TV main event. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see Bigfoot Silver doing any huge thing in the UFC. Nope. I think the fact that he's so big and his head is so huge makes him really easy to hit. I mean, when you're hit, I think he actually has giantism. Like, I read somewhere that he might actually have that, that um, ailment. So, when your head is that big, you're not going to be able to move it. So, that's why he gets knocked out by little guys. Yeah, so he's got I, that I, Easter I, Island head. Yeah, his head is huge. So, I think I think a fight between them would be fun to watch. I mean, it would be a nice little street show fight. I <laughs> think... Yeah, it could be it could be a throwback to the pride fights without being a freak show fight, you know? Like both guys are, are talented, so it's not like you're like you can build it as that, but you can have a little fun with it. Yeah, yeah, you can you can you can play up the fact that they're both ginormous. Like you, you can you can play up that fat nicely, yeah. 
Welterweights, Ellenberger, Sanchez. Um, Ellenberger fighting, home crowd, had a huge amount of momentum behind him. But before we get into the fight, what's up with Diego Sanchez coming out like Abraham Van Helsing with the cross? Diego Sanchez might be the corniest fighter in the UFC. <laughs> Dude, this is corny. And like, I don't even think this is an act. I think this is really who he is. Like, I just think he's like a corny person. Like, did that, like the montage they did before the fight where he was talking about how he's no longer the nightmare. Like, dude, stop. Like, stop. Nobody cares. Like, it's, it's, he's corny, and I nothing against religion, but that was so corny. Coming out with the cross and the mean face. Like, like I, I see dudes like Will and stuff, like, when they come into the cage, like, you, you want to look hard, but he just looks so, he looks ridiculous. Like, there's, there's no other way to put that. Diego Sanchez looks ridiculous coming into the cage. With a cross, like like this is old school UFC. He's Timo Leopold carrying a cross on his back. Like, dude, like no, like no, <laughs> stop. It, it was. <laughs> It, it really tripped me out because, you know, a little bit of theatrics goes goes a long way, and that's kind of cool. But it's just like, Diego, you've gone through so many different changes personality-wise, name, you know, fighter name-wise, camp-wise. It's like, dude, just come out and fight. Yeah. He, like, I don't need the theatrics. I just want to see you fight. Yeah, he, he's, just, he's just corny dude. Like, I don't hate him fighting. Like, I think he's a fun fighter to watch. But he's, just, he's a corny dude. Like, he's... I don't know. It's like he takes himself way too seriously, or he doesn't take himself. I, I don't know. Or maybe he doesn't take himself seriously enough. I don't know. He was just corny. <laughs> Well, Ellenberger took this fight via unanimous decision in in front of the hometown crowd. Sanchez was getting lit up first two rounds. Third round, I don't know what happened. I don't know if you know the power of Christ compelled him, but he <laughs> went he went bananas. On Ellenberger, you know, he secured back position. He went for the chokes. He was just dropping bombs on him from the side, from side mount, from top mount. Um, you know, when he gave up his back, he was reining in the punches. Based on that, Dana White said after the event, he told Ariel Helwani that, you know, he was uh, pissed that they didn't do a five-round fight and that going forward, future main events would be five-round fights. Um, how do you feel about not only the way the fight went down, but the fact that this fight proved that five rounders for main of you know for main events are a necessity? Personally, I think five rounders should be the norm for fighters. I think if you get to this level, you should be fighting five rounds anyway. And I th- I think I think every fight should be five rounds, and I think the championship fight should be seven. But that's just me. Um, that being said, I, I thought every, he said I think a year ago that every fight was going to be five rounds. Every man, every single main event was going to be five rounds anyway. So I don't know why some weren't, some some are, and some weren't. But you know, um, I don't have any problem with it. I think I think it would be that fight right there. I think you could see it was going Diego Sanchez's way. I think Diego Sanchez probably wouldn't end up fin- finishing Ellenberger if that fight had one time out. I think he honestly would probably. I don't know about knock him out or anything like that, but I, I think he he would have ended up either finishing him or sweeping the next uh, three rounds or two rounds. So. I think I think that would only serve to make the fight better. Was it was it just me, or did it feel like every fight, every punch Diego threw, he tried to throw like a haymaker? Yeah, yeah, and 
that might have been a problem because the majority of them were missing. Like, yeah, he, he was he was really just trying to throw napalm. I'm like I'm like okay, every like he'd come in his uh, his elbows were at his were at his sides. He'd come in like rock'em sock'em robot style. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, plus he could have choked him out multiple times. Like he just he just seemed like he was so intent on I'm going to get the TKO that he's like Ellenberg is like giving up his neck like to try to get out of the position every time you roll and you just want to throw punches that aren't even landing. So in essence, you lost yourself a fight just for no reason. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, based off of that, some money got given out. Stipe got a uh, knockout of the night, 50 grand. Uh, Ivan Menjavar got submission of the, of submission of the night and Ellenberger and Sanchez got um fight of the night, 50 grand a piece. Now in some other MMA news, uh, Josh Koscheck and Johnny Hendricks are going to meet at UFC on Fox 3. Um, that's going to be a, a huge card um, taking place in Jersey, May 5th. Main event, Nate Diaz, Jim Miller. Um, you got Husamar Palhares, Alan Belcher on that card. Pat Barry's taking on Strike Force's LeVar Johnson. You got John Hathaway on there against Pascal Kraus. John Dodson's fighting uh, Darren Uyanoyama. John Cholish is on that card. Carlos Vemela. The, the, that card, I think, is going to be a phenomenal card for Fox. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were looking for the opportunity to really uh, make a big fight card for Fox. I, I personally didn't have a problem with the first two fight cards, but I saw a lot of people did, you know, with the, what was like, 62-second knockout of Kane and the first card, and then the last card having every single fight go to decision. I didn't have an issue with that because I think casual fans, you shouldn't give them a false that every single fight is a KO. Like, I agree 100%. Pretty, yeah, and if, and if you see a highlight video, that's all they show, which I understand. I mean, you don't want to show, you know, um, John Fitch taking someone down. Like, you, you don't want to show that. But I had no problem with the last two cards. But this card should be fun. You, you know, you got Nate Diaz fighting. Uh, I wish that John Dotson fight was on the main card just because that's 125 Because, uh... I don't know if you noticed, but John Dawson has moved down to uh, flyweight. Yep. Yeah. So that that's going to be a good. That's going to be an excellent fight because you know flyweights are fun to watch. So so it, it's going to be a really good card. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think Alan Dutch is probably going to get his leg ripped off. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I feel I feel bad for all these guys because Husamar Palhares has just been on a tear. You know, seven and two right now in the UFC, and not for nothing. This is a guy that even if he succeeds against Alan Belcher, do you think he's maybe one fight away from a title shot? Because him, his his fight finishes are are disgusting, dude. Every guy that he that he submits, that guy ends up keeping his leg on ice for at least a week. I think I think um, I think he's probably one or two fights away from it. I would love to see a fight between him and maybe like um, if he wins his next fight against uh, Michael Bisping. Maybe uh, for like a title eliminator because I think Michael Bisping, after the performance he had against Chelsea Thunder, he's like one fight away. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. I think that would be a fun fight. Um, I don't know if he beats Anderson Silva, uh, just because I think Anderson Silva will be able to hit him with something before he whips off Anderson Silva's leg. But it would not surprise me if he went in there, um, threw Anderson Silva on his head, and like whipped off Anderson Silva's leg. It would not surprise me at all. He was able to do that. Yeah, that's it, it, it's so weird because he's just a guy that's kind of been 
under the radar, just real quiet. But every time he fights, it's always a highlight reel. Every time. Every time somebody's leg is getting ripped off. And, you know, it's it's something that's becoming a trademark for him. Do you think that more fighters are going to be training to avoid the leg locks and Paul Harris, is, his jiu-jitsu game is just going to be so nasty that he'll start working on another body part going into future fights? Because the last fight he had... They 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 did their homework. They scouted the leg locks, and sure as shit, he still got the guy in one. Yeah, I mean the thing with Paul Harris is like leg lock. When when you're that good at something in jujitsu or striking, like you're good at other things. You just so happen to be really good at that thing. And I think and I saw um, like his first fight when I think he fought Ivan Salaver. He had a beautiful transition from back mount to an armbar. Like this dude is legitimately like a beast in jujitsu. He just so happens to be able to rip your leg off, and he's just really good at that. So I think, I think even if you scout it, I don't think it's going to help you because he's going to catch something else. And if he doesn't catch that thing, I, I, I don't see he he's a powerful striker. He's not super technical, but he hits hard. Um, I, I think he could probably out wrestle a lot of guys. I mean, he's 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 not a super well-rounded fighter. His bread and butter is still his jiu-jitsu game. But leg locks are not something that a lot of guys train because not a lot of guys can do them really effectively in the U.S. And so, I mean, he, he's going to have the advantage over most fighters. He's going to have he's going to be able to tap the majority of fighters with that leg lock. Well, I'm I'm actually super pumped for two other fights as well on that card. You know, Pat Barry and Lavar Johnson. You know, Lavar Johnson has an, an incredible story. And Pat Barry's kind of in that gray area where he's exciting to watch, but you know his his losses are starting to, to people are starting to notice some of his losses. I see this probably being an opener for the the Fox card. How do you feel about Levar Johnson being matched up with Barry? Considering that those two guys, it's it's pretty much almost a guaranteed KO at this point. Yeah, that 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 fight's most likely ending with someone going to sleep. Uh, I think I think it'll be a nice fight. Um, I don't think. I think people kind of have, and Lamar Johnson did have a good showing his his last fight, but they kind of are now um, looking at Lamar Johnson like something he's not. I think Pat Barry is a better fighter than Lamar Johnson. Um, I think Pat Barry, the, the fighter that Lamar Johnson has been able to beat in his career, I think Pat Barry would beat them. So I, I think I think that's gonna be a good fight. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna end in a KO. It's very unlikely that one of these dudes is gonna like pull guard and catch a flying armbar or something. Like, this is going to end in a KO or, or it's going to be a three-round war. It's not going to be, you know, takedowns or anything like that. Well, the last thing I wanted to mention about this card, like I said, Johnny Hendricks, Josh Koscheck. I, I mean, it's going to be a great fight to watch, but I honestly, considering what went down with Carlos Condit, I would have liked to have seen Koscheck and Diaz because it would have just been ridiculous levels of shit talking to build up that fight. That would have been a fun fight to see. I think the main reason that you're not seeing Diaz right now because yeah, the pot. Uh, they, yeah, they don't know what exactly is happening with that. From what I understand, he might not get suspended because it wasn't actually weed. It was just metabolites. So from what I understand, from what I'm reading, he may not get suspended. But, um, you know, right now they're in that. Because I think the UFC could probably like schedule him to do something. But then you'd be basically shitting on the um, the commission, and you know you, you still want to get sanctioned in places. So, but um, you know um, that I think that fight will eventually happen. Um, I mean, I'm not a big Koscheck fan. I think he's I think he's highly overrated. Quite frankly, 
I mean, I think he's a decent fighter, but I don't think he's anywhere near as good as he's made out to be at times. Um, that being said, I think it would be a good fight, though. I, I, I take Diaz in it just because I think Diaz is a way better striker, and I don't think Koscheck would be able to hold him down for two rounds. No, Koscheck's face would definitely get lit up by Nick in that fight, but the beauty of that fight would just be the build-up to that fight. Those guys could oh. have those guys could have the shittiest fight, but the build-up alone, they'd probably they'd probably need security at every press conference. Yeah, because I wouldn't put it past Diaz to like attack Kasha. <laughs> like, like, Diaz is that kind of dude that he just like like straight up attack you outside of ring and not even and then look at you like you're crazy. Like why are you guys confused that I just did this? Like so he'll pull a Paul da- pull a Paul Daly. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, Koscheck has that effect on people, like, because, I, I mean, Paul Daly, though Paul Daly's kind of a loose cannon, I mean, Diaz talked a whole bunch of shit to him, too, but you didn't see him after the fight, you know, attack Diaz. This is true. Yeah, Koscheck, Koscheck is on another level of asshole. So, there you go. Well, <laughs> Uh, in some other news too, they um they they got a lot of fights finalized for UFC on Fuel Three already, which is going to be happening May fifteenth in um, Fairfax, Virginia. Um, right now they got Dustin Poirier and the Korean Zombie, which is probably going to be the main event. Um, Igor Prokryat, Thiago Silva, Donald Cerrone's taking on Eve Edwards in that fight, which is going to be a sick fight. Tom Lawler, Jason McDonald, uh, Jorge Lopez, Amir Sadala, Mike Easton, and Eve Javon. Cody McKenzie, Aaron Riley, and Brad Tavares, and Donnie Yang. Um, I think this fight with Poye and the Korean Zombie is probably going to be a contender fight for um, Jose Aldo. Yeah, I see it, and I kind of feel sorry for these guys. Neither <laughs> one of them doing anything to Jose Aldo. And I, I kind of feel sorry for the majority of the division because I don't really, at this point, I really don't see who's going to be able to be Aldo. But that being said, I do think this is, this is most. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a contender fight because, I mean, who? There's nobody else in the queue. Like, there's nobody else even close. But Dustin Poirier and Shane Sung Jung with his, you know, last couple performances where he like wet shot. So you know, um, either either this will be a contender fight or what they'll do is probably have like uh, this fight have Eric Cope fight somebody around the time. Had the winner of the Eric Koch fight and the Dustin Poirier and um, Shane Sung Jung fight fight Eric Koch, and then that will be the number one contender for Jose Aldo. Because I don't think they want to throw some of these guys in there with Jose Aldo, then have him smash them, and then you know then you can't you don't have fights for him in the future. You know what I mean? So I don't think they they don't want to completely ruin people just yet. <laughs> well, I think in Jose Aldo's case too, with, with, and and he may be one of the first guys. I mean, they're really teasing it with Anderson Silva, but I think Jose Aldo will be the guy that cleans out his division and just vacates the belt to go up to 55. I wouldn't be surprised with that because there was a video not too long ago of him like going through hell to make 145. And I think it had a lot to do when he had like a back injury. Um, I think at the beginning of 2011. But uh, he, he's gotten bigger. Like he's visibly gotten bigger since he started. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went up to 155 because, I mean, I don't see anyone who who's messing with this dude. Like, it not, definitely wasn't Chad Mendez, and that's who, who the experts were so sure that it was going to be. Like, it definitely, I didn't think that. Like, it definitely wasn't Chad Mendez. I, I think he'll, he's going to end up beating up Chang Sung Jung. I think he'll beat up Dustin Poirier. 
I think it'll hurt Eric Hope. I, I just don't, I don't see there's there's no really other 145ers coming up in the, like that. You even think like, hey, that might be the guy to beat Jose Aldo. Like there's just nobody, there's nobody there right now. Well, with with Ben Henderson and Frankie Edgar meeting in Japan, do you think if you know Jose Aldo wins? Clear, yeah, clears out his division, vacates the belt, goes up to 55. Do you think he should get one fight at 55 or go straight for the belt at 55? I think give him one fight at 55. I mean, he fought at 55 one time in his career and lost. Even though he was dominating that fight before he lost, he still lost. I think they should just give him one fight, let him let him get his body acclimated to, you know, the fact that you got the extra muscle on, to, you know, get his body acclimated. If he wins that fight, give him a title shot. I, I don't I mean, there's very little chance. I don't see very many guys at 155 being him either. So, you know, except the champ. So, or the guys in the upper, upper, upper echelon. So, you know, give him one fight. Give him like Evan Dunham or, uh, you know, Nick, uh, Nate Diaz or, or somebody like that. Give, give him one fight. Uh, let him, let him kind of get his feet wet in the division because he's never fought in it and, or he fought in it one time when he was like 18. And then, you know, get an opportunity to get the belt. All right. MMA Junkie reported recently that um, there's been a change to the uh, Strikeforce Tate and Rousey card. Seems that Mike Kyle got injured, so his fight with um, the Dreamcatcher with Gegard Mousasi is off now. Which is that's, you know, a- that's a huge <laughs> that's a that's a big bummer. Only because you know Gegard Mousasi, people are watching him very closely, especially with a possible transition to the UFC. So now we don't have a fight for him. But Showtime still has um, Lamumba Sayers and Scott Smith got moved from the prelims to the main card. Jacare, Derek Brunson, Paul Daly's on that card. KJ Noons and the Punk, Josh Thompson, and of course the ladies for the belt. Um, on the Showtime Extreme card, they got Alexis Davis and Sarah Kaufman. They're fighting on Showtime Extreme. Carlos Fedor and Pat Healy and Connor Hewan and uh, little little Randy Ryan Couture. Overall, do you think that losing that one fight? would hinder anything else going on with this card, or is it just going to be something where they can address it later on? I think they'll just address it later on. I, quite frankly, with King Mo getting Papa Royce and the majority of the light heavyweights, or the, their light heavyweight champion moving to the UFC, you got LeVar uh, 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 Lumpkin? Wow. The guy who just fought King Mo. I completely excited about that. Oh, Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin, he's moving down to 185. Uh, they're, I mean, um, I'm hearing Roger Gracie, which I don't understand why the hell they would take him, but I'm hearing Roger Gracie probably coming to the USC, um, UFC. So, I, I don't know. I think they should just get rid of that light heavyweight division. I mean, there's nobody in it, <laughs> really. There's like five fighters. Like, I don't know. It, it's seeming, I know that, they wanted to keep Strikeforce around, but the way that UFC went about early in this uh, this venture before they decided they want to keep it, of plucking talent out, they kind of screwed themselves and kind of stuck themselves in a hole where they can't really... There's not much you can do with the division now. You, you're kind of stuck with half-assed divisions now. Well, Dana White, it's been said that Dana White is, um, uh, has assumed more control in handling Strikeforce. Um, it's been said that you're going to see more of his involvement now with this particular card, with the Tate Rousey card. But one thing I, I, that it's it's just crazy. 
like you said, they raped and pillaged the heavyweight. They've they raped and pillaged pretty much every division in that organization. Do you feel that with the with the surplus of talent, the UFC should start shifting some of those guys to strike force? I mean, I, I don't I don't think it would be a problem. Um, I mean, you might have to supplement some pay because I mean, you're making considerably more money. Not considerably more, but the the, the bigger guys are making a good amount of money in the UFC, and they will be making less than strike force. You kind of got to supplement the pay there, but I think that's what they should start doing because you don't have divisions in strike force. You have two, uh, what three champions, three men's champions, um, and Luke Rockhold. Um, who's that one? They don't have a one seventy champion. Never mind. You have one real champion yep. in the men's division. And well, no, you got two. You got Gilbert Melendez, and you don't even remember him because Gilbert Melendez doesn't have anybody to fight. And I feel sorry to give him Melinda because he's sitting over here, and who are they gonna give him next? KJ Nunes? Like, he, he has no one to fight, so and he's stuck, you know, on Showtime. So I don't know. They should give, they should at least take some 155s over there because I mean, they need to do something because there's really no one, there's no one for these guys to fight. Like, Luke Rockhold, he has Jacare to fight again, and he can fight Tim Kennedy. That's it. You're not gonna have him fight Melvin Manhall. You're not. And I don't even know if Mel Manhoff is still under contract with So, I mean, they kind of just pigeonhole themselves into they, there's nothing they can do right now. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's been bugging me. The the strike force cards are few and far between. Like, we still got to decide the uh, Daniel Cormier and Josh Barnett outcome. Those guys are going to get folded into the UFC. So, you know, we still have that. And, and like you were saying, there's 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 a lot of guys you could really shift over. I would shift a couple of 55ers. I'd shift over a couple of 170s. Hell, I'd even shift a couple of 205s over just to keep it to keep it interesting and to allow Showtime to to really believe that the UFC gives a shit about that brand. Yeah, I mean, and, and also you could set it up for the future. Let's say you get a viable. I mean, yeah, we we're not thinking he's gonna beat John Jones, but you get a viable. Viable one fifty uh one seventy I mean two oh five champion. Get a viable one. You let's say you get Gagar Massage and the two oh five champion. You send over some UFC guys, some mid tier to lower tier uh low high tier UFC guys. You have them fight them, you have them meet them. Then when the contract is up uh at the end of this year, you can have a champion like unification mount. And you know, you you can do stuff like that. Like right now there's there's no it doesn't seem to be any future plans because, I mean, I don't think the UFC's original intent was to keep Strikeforce. I think their original intent was to buy it, then take what they wanted, and uh, Showtime probably offered them a good amount of money that they couldn't really be like, okay, well, you know, we don't want this anymore. Like, it was just leaving money on the table, so they might as well, you know, take this one last year. Because I, I, I think there's only going to be five cards this year, if that. So, you know, deal with these five cards, see if we can get some guys from fights, and then we move on to the UFC. And if you move some guys over, it makes it even better when you get to the UFC, because I don't think Luke Rocco, for instance, is going to come straight in the UFC and challenge Anderson Silva. But if you give him a couple fights, you, you move uh, Paul Harris over there, or you move Alan Belcher, or you move, hell, move Michael Bisping if Chell Sonnen loses the game. Move Chell Sonnen over there. Like, Put some guys over there and, and put some some interest in Strike Force. I agree a hundred percent. Well, in, in keeping with the theme of Strike Force, this kind of is one part MMA, one part movie news. Um, the Hollywood Reporter 
uh, recently published that Gina Carano is going to be doing another movie. It's called In the Blood. Um, it's going to be directed by John Stockwell, and basically it's the the equivalent of Taken, where Gina Carano will play the wife of a kidnapped husband um, that goes after the people that kidnapped and murdered her husband. So pretty much Taken with estrogen, <laughs> if, if you want to look at it that way. Of course, with that filming schedule, Gina Carano is pretty much out of the mix in women's mixed martial arts for the foreseeable future. Originally, she was supposed to return to take on Sarah D'Elio at the Overeem Verdum event for Strike Force, and she pulled out of that. Then she was supposed to fight in December, and that fell through. Do you think she's done at this point, man? <laughs> I really do. I think after Cyborg whooped her ass, like, I, just, I, I thought, I, I thought just the way she acted after that fight and the way she kind of I was like, well, I might come back fighting or I might not. Like, just just the way she was acting after that fight, I kind of figured that she was probably going to be finished. Just because, I mean, after that apple, you, you, you start to realize, like, whoa, I can I can go to Hollywood and make more money just, you know, and pretend to fight. I don't got to sit in here with, um, for all intents and purposes, dudes that <laughs> Cyborg, for all intents and purposes, thanks to her steroids, might be a man. So, you know, get you know, get these guys in the cage with me and lose. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I think she right now would probably still be pretty good in a featherweight, featherweight division, but I don't think she's thinking like that anymore. I think I think the fact that she can make so much more money in Hollywood not getting punched in the face <laughs> is, is really appealing to her. Well, the, the crazy thing, too, is that by Cyborg getting popped for steroids for all intents and purposes, that division is done. And yeah. we both know how hard it was for Gina Carano to make weight to fight in that division. So it's yeah. not like she could come back and fight in bantamweight, you know, and take on a Misha Tate or a Ronda Rousey, uh, unless you know she gets her, her unless she get she goes on the Dolce diet at this point, because <laughs> you know that it was always be it was be her in a towel getting weighed in because she she could barely make weight so. It, if she does come back, she's going to have to fight at Bantam. And not for nothing, she's got good money fights there, too. You know, her and Misha Tate, her and Sarah Kaufman, her and Ronda Rousey. Those are those are, those are are paydays for Dana White right now. But getting her in there and having her make weight is going to be impossible. And you're not just going to bring back the – you're not going to bring back the belt that Cyborg pretty much shit on to get that one money fight. It's impossible. Yeah, I mean – and. And honestly, that's what was starting to happen with Cyborg. I mean, there was nobody left for her to fight. Like, and I don't even understand why she started using steroids. It wasn't like she was getting any damn competition. I mean, she was going in there just, just murking chicks. So, I mean, and, and they were throwing in straight cans against her. Like, uh, Jan Finney, like, that's assault. That's not a fight. That is assault. Like, like there was just nothing these chicks were doing with Cyborg. So, and, and then with, 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 um, but Gina, like, at that point, you, you're right back in the same predicament. If you bring Gina back and do 145, you're right back in the same predicament with nobody for her to fight. And then at, at one point, she's not going to 135. Like, like you said, she had hell making 145. She, she can't make 145 or 135. So, I mean, I, I think her fighting career is pretty much over. She, she, she's done. <laughs> All right, and the last bit of news to wrap things up, UFC 144, of course, happening um, next weekend. Saitama, Japan, it's going to be monstrous. Frankie Edgar Bendo uh, for the lightweight title. Ryan Bader, Rampage, Czech Congo, Mark Hunt, 
Akayama and Jake Shields, Tim Bocek, Yushin Okami, Hatsuhioki's fighting on that card, and Joe Lazan and Anthony Pettis are the opener. The prelims are going to be on FX, which has some really great fights. Kid Yamamoto's on that card. Um, Takeya Mizugaki, Tiquan Zhang, uh, Fireball Kid is on there as well. One thing I wanted to run by you, and this was something that I was talking about with a friend of mine. I mentioned this on air as well. Fighting in Japan for a guy like Rampage is significant for his career. Do you think Ryan Bader was the ideal opponent for him? Yes and no. I, I don't think, first of all, I don't think Ryan Bader has any chance to win this fight. So I think it's kind of a, not a throwaway fight. I won't say a throwaway fight. But I just think that Rampage has a really good chance of winning. And I, and I think they wanted to give him a fight that with somebody that kind of style, stylistically he should beat. He should beat Ryan, uh, Ryan Bader. I don't think they wanted to give him, like uh, uh, like you said on, on air, I heard you say it, like the Forrest Griffin rematch. I don't think they want to do that because Forrest Griffin beat him the first time. And you bring him back to Japan, you kind of want, kind of want that vibe like, oh, Rampage is back and all that stuff. So... I don't see anybody really else except maybe Forrest, and I don't know where Forrest is as far as fighting. I mean, his last fight with Shogun, he, he seemed to... Then again, his wife was having a child, like, at the same time, so he seemed kind of out of it. So, I mean, I, I don't know really we had where a... he is. Huh? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't really see where, where, where uh, Forrest is. I wouldn't put Tito up there because he was asking for Tito to get hurt again. By That's the fight I wanted, though. Tito and Rampage in Japan, dude. The, the 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 Japanese people would have spontaneously combusted for that fight. Yeah, it, they would have, but the competition level in that fight wouldn't have been really, really what it is. You know what I mean? Like, Tito is not the same Tito he was. I mean, he the old Tito would have beat uh, Lil Nas. I mean, that, that that's... That's just what it is. I mean, I don't think he would be the shot, but he would have beat Lil Nas. Like, I just think, I don't know. I think Tito wants his last fight to be against Forrest Griffin, uh, uh, like in their trilogy. So I, I think that would that'll be a good fight. But I don't know about. I, I just don't see who else they're going to put in there with uh, Rampage except Tito and maybe Forrest. Otherwise, you kind of because you know they like to put losers with losers. Like you, you couldn't put Alexander Gustafson in there with them. Or anything like that. So you got to put losers with losers, and you know. I I honestly and 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 this is this is just because I'm a I'm a glutton for punishment. I would have I would have done Vanderlei and Rampage and fucking Japan, dude. That, that would have been. It would have been nice to see in Japan, considering their history. But you're asking Rampage to possibly kill Vanderlei. <laughs> like last time they fought, that that was bad. Like. Vanderlei is not the same, and, and it pains me to say this because I'm I, I was a huge Vanderlei fan when I first got into MMA, but he's just not the same guy anymore. Like even even when he fought Kung Lee, the old Vanderlei would have smashed Kung Lee. Like the old Pride Vanderlei, that wouldn't even be a fight. Like and this Vanderlei, like he, he just got older. It happens. It's unfortunate. I don't understand why they're putting him up against Vitor Belfort to possibly kill him once again in the <laughs> ring. So. Yeah, but you know yeah. what? Vitor Belfort caught a foot from Anderson Silva. He caught a teep to the face that put him to sleep. So <laughs> it's yeah. it's a, it's a little suspect, even that fight, because that fight on paper looks like it's going to be a war, but it's pretty much about, uh, that one's all about, you know, who blinks first. 
Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, considering what, I mean, what Vitor did to a prime Vanderlei Silva, like we bum rush him. But then again, well, I mean, I can't legitimately say this, but all I'm, I'm, all I'm gonna say on on that is, if you look at Vitor when he was the 18 year old phenom in the UFC in his musculature then, compared to his musculature now, kind of hard for me to believe that he wasn't on roids then. Mm-hmm. But you know. Uh, I don't know. I I, I think that's going to be a pretty bad fight for Wanderlei. The one fight that that I wanted to to, to just pluck out also that yeah. Czech Congo Mark Hunt fight, man. Yeah, that's going to be a good fight. I'm I was incredibly shocked when they signed Mark Hunt. But he he looked. I mean, he looked decent. I mean, he's got his record to five hundred now. What he's seven and seven. He looked pretty decent in the um, Ben Rothwell fight. I mean, I'm looking forward to the fight. I mean, Chet Congo, if he doesn't, you know, need someone in the balls a bunch of times, he's, he's a pretty decent fighter. So, you know, and hell, I mean, Chet, Pat Berry damn near killed him. And <laughs> he, he, he survived that. So, it should be a pretty good fight. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really pumped for for Lazan and Pettis opening up that card in Japan, because when they, when they, when they play that intro music for those guys and they come out. And, you know, they start playing the big highlight reels because that's the thing that I'm really looking forward to. I want to see what kind of a set UFC drops on us for this event because, you know, Saitama, there's so much you could do there, especially with Pride. You know, they have the revolving screens, the opening screens and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing UFC <laughs> 3 right now as we talk so, <laughs> in Pride mode. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean... I, it would be really cool if they do that. I don't know if they'll do that because UFC kind of um, always been kind of uh, kind of we don't want to look anything like pro wrestling ever, or we are going to fail. Like because remember they used to have the stage with the pyro and all that, and they kind of got rid of that. So because it looked pro wrestling ish. Yeah, so, I, I feel you. Yeah, so I don't know if they'll do necessarily like the revolving screens and all that. I would love to see it. Hell yeah, um, man. Especially after because, seeing those dream cards. Those dream cards have spoiled me every New Year's. Yeah, especially in, in the Super Arena, the history there. I mean, it, w- it would be cool. Like, if it was up to me, they'd be fighting in a ring on the Pride Rules. I know they're not going to be. <laughs> but if it was up to me, they'd be on the Pride Rules and everything. But, you know, it, 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 it sh- it's going to be a great card. Um, but, I don't know. It, I mean, Dana White has said it's going to be, uh, they're going to have some homages to Pride in there. So I would love to see what those are. Hell, maybe they have Lenny Hart, you know, if not people or something. So I don't know. It, it, should, be, it should be a great card. Though. Dude, I, t- I tell you this. If they did it under Pride rules, Ryan Bader would be getting yellow carded the entire fight. Oh, man. <laughs> Once he starts doing that clinching, <laughs> yellow card. Like, <laughs> there you yeah, go. It, yeah, it, it should be a great fight though. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to that card. Like, uh, just because I'm I'm a big Ben Henderson fan and Frankie Edgar fan, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that card. And I'm hoping that if Anthony Pettis wins, you know, they do the rematch of uh, Ben Henderson and Anthony Pettis, maybe we get another Showtime kick or something. So yeah, hell yeah, yeah. So that should be a good card. All right, well, that wraps up MTR episode 128, the MMA edition, recorded Thursday, February 16th, 2012. You can follow My Take Radio on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, add us to your circle on Google+, and you can also follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout, 
B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89. On Twitter, make sure to check out some of his great MMA articles on MyTakeRadio.com. MTR will be live March 1st, as I said in the opener, and be on the lookout for the mini-episodes for wrestling, video games, and movies within the next couple of days. Thanks for listening. Peace. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks.